0: This episode is brought to you by Graybar. Graybar is a trusted and leading North American distributor of electrical, communications, data networking, and industrial products that supports projects of any industry. Construction, hospitals, industrial plants, schooling, and more. (laughs) Yep, Graybar does that. Graybar operates with one clear mission—to serve as the vital link in the supply chain, adding value for customers and suppliers with innovative solutions and services. But here's what makes them different from the competition. Being able to effectively navigate supply chains to get products on-site and on-time is crucial these days— And Graybar's Nationwide Logistics Network, with over 290 locations across the country, assists owners and professionals build and maintain the operations in their electrical, communications, and industrial world by providing them what they need, when and where they need it, and within budget. (laughs) Yep, Graybar does that. To view more information on their services, head to graybar.com. That's G-R-A-Y-B-A-R dot Yep, Graybar does that. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. As we speak, I'm in my 38th year of being self-employed, but when my business was bigger, I needed Indeed. Frankly, because I wasn't all that good at finding and hiring the right candidates. But by leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. So ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with the right candidates faster. And... Golf Smarter listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash golfsmarter. Please visit indeed.com slash golfsmarter right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed here. That's indeed.com slash golfsmarter. Terms and conditions apply. Do you need to hire? You need Indeed. Golf Smarter, number 572, published on December 27, 2016. Advanced Green to Tea Course Management Techniques with Joe Hallett, PGA. This is Golf Smarter. Sharing tips and insights to lower your score and raise your golf IQ. To hear the full interview and access hundreds of Golf Smarter episodes... Sign up for premium access at GolfSmarter.Libsyn.com. Here's your host, Fred Green. Welcome to the Golf Smarter podcast, Joe. I was reading through your bio, and on top it says that you're your PGA-certified golf instructor. But there's a whole lot more than that, isn't there?
1: That's good that Spellcheck caught that, because originally it said certifiable, I think, at this point. <laughs> Fred. But uh... Well,
0: you've been doing it for, what, 16 years? You've got to be.
1: Yeah, you know what? I, gosh, it's just a, a weird—you know—it's it's a weird way to to make a living, and it's the last thing I ever kind of thought I would end up in. To be honest with you, Fred, I actually tried, played collegiate golf, and played the uh, played the game. And actually, uh, has someone asked me once where'd you go to college, and I said a girls' music school, Furman University. But uh, we had a not only do we have a strong girls' team with uh, the likes of uh, Dottie Pepper. Who was a good person to go practice golf with? Because uh, if you couldn't beat her, you couldn't beat half of the guys on the team. And then uh, Faxon was there, and uh, Jack Kay, who uh, played in the Masters, and Eddie Kirby, a gentleman who led the U.S. Open a couple of times uh, on a Saturday. Uh, but getting to know all these guys, I envisioned myself playing. And you know, after after realizing I was the equivalent of a, a bad real estate agent, I'd sell one hell of a house about every six months. And, uh, you know, just having been around instruction, I I kind of backed into it a little bit and have kind of uh, fallen into an, a niche and worked my way through the, the PGA programs. And, uh, as you know, we have all different classifications. And, actually, the next one up the line is master professional, and that's kind of my my uh, next uh, achievement, hopefully, within the future. But it's it's been an interesting road, and in golf instruction uh, – I got to uh, give a seminar yesterday down at uh, the PGA Learning Center on the business of teaching, and boy, that lesson t sure does open up some avenues to you if you're paying attention.
0: (laughs) But let's clarify for uh, that person right there who's listening to us. You're not just a PGA instructor. You instruct instructors.
1: Which, uh, you know, about 10 years ago, Fred, uh, I had the privilege of joining about 35 other PGA professionals from around the country as part of the... Uh, they call us the adjunct faculty, and we are the people that are out in the fields doing things, and they break the game up into the, the people, the business, and the game. And uh, they've, they've got about 15 of us in charge of the game sector, and, and we are uh, kind of responsible for the developing the training and implementing the seminars and working with all those assistant professionals that you see around the country that are you know, they're they're behind the shop and when they're not doing that, they're out trying to give lessons and when they're not doing that, they're out playing in a mini-tour event and they've entrusted a, a group of us to kind of guide the game instruction uh, forward for the last ten years or so. So as as we know it, because of my involvement, the game may disappear in the next four years, but uh, <laughs> it is kind of interesting. It's a different viewpoint to work with instructors as well as people that are looking for instruction. It's It's kind of given me a couple of viewpoints on the on the game of golf and golf instruction that, that may be a little different than those you've normally talked to. Well,
0: yeah, I want to, you know, we've talked to a lot of pros and we talked to, I'm sorry, professionals. They don't like being called PGA pros. They want to be called PGA professionals.
1: Pros, poetry, whatever you throw at me, <laughs> I'm ready for you. <laughs> but um, we've
0: talked to a lot of them and uh, about course specifics and, and how to play the course that they work at. Uh, we're not going to do that today. We're going to talk about I, well, who knows where we're going to go with this conversation based on what we've been doing in the last I don't know. Minutes. That music
1: trivia, I think you were ahead <laughs> 13 to 5, so I'm done with that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that meatloaf song later. But what do you teach teachers?
1: You know, one of the, the, the banes of golf instruction, and one of the things, we, in my estimation, what we try and do in the PGA program is to get everybody started at least on a base level that deals with some of the undeniable laws and principles of the golf swing and the flight of the golf ball. From there, gosh almighty, there are a million and one preferences. Mm. But, you know, for the ball to, to take off and tail off to the right, the club face had to be in a certain position, and the the path of the swing itself had to be a certain way. That's, that's undif- un- absolutely undisputable. It had to be, and one of the goals we try and do is these young men and women are getting into this is to make sure that they have a solid foundation as to what causes that. Now, how to fix it? That's where you get into the million and a half myriads of, well, you could move the left thumb, you could drop the right foot back, you could tilt more, you could bend more, you could swing inside, outside, whatever it is. But we want to make sure that those instructors have a good solid base to go, here's what's causing it. Let's see how you might go about and do it, and I'm I'm not quite sure if that that answered your question directly, but that's the base that we're all trying to start from, and in and, and trying to teach those instructors, that would be the fundamental part. The other big part, and so much of it comes from experience, and, and I kid, uh, as I was kidded when I started in this by John Elliott, who's a very close friend and a top 50 instructor with Golf Digest, and when I started out, uh, John was kind enough to me to, to pass on a lot of advice, but a, a guy that's working with a golf digest school, he's seeing about 6,000 people a year, wow. so his learning curve is about five times what mine is, and he said you know, you'll realize something, after about the first three years, make sure you keep names and addresses, because you're going to want to call those people up and tell them you owe them a rebate and meaning that you're either spitting out too much, or the wrong information, or you know, oh I know I told you to do this, but now I realize two years later, the real answer was this one and, and and part of the other part that we're trying to expound on those instructors is to develop good methods of communication and not jumping to the gun on everything, trying to make intelligent decisions and developing something with the student that is very structured, very organized, and really helps towards game improvement.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm an, I'm a huge advocate of having an instructor of not (laughs) instructing people while they're on the course and not throwing in your two cents for every guy you've ever played with it's like you know what i'm not going to tell you what to do go get an instructor do it yourself and i really like my instructor what what he does is when you first go to him he says what sports did you play as a kid and then he's able to translate that information into everything he tells you he's such a great communicator and i think that's why i like him so much he's a really good communicator
1: there are so many if if you look at some of the greatest instructors and of course for some reason uh... in ter- in terms of ability to charge and people's ability to gravitate having somewhat of a south african or english accent appears to help in communication i haven't <laughs> followed that much but uh... david ledbetter a good friend of mine also but uh... Their abilities to communicate, Hank Haney, is one of the most efficient communicators out there. Hank, Hank has some great sayings, and one thing he always says that, that sticks in my mind is, I don't care how many errors there are in your golf swing, just make sure there's an even amount. Hmm. And there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. Uh, Bob Tosky, one of the legendary golf instructors, and uh, you know I, I, I respect him. I took a lot of lessons from him as a kid. And I recently spoke with uh, one of my PGA cohorts who had the opportunity to go watch Bob. And, of course, Bob's got to be in in his mid-80s at this point. Uh, And and, and I kind of got this grin on my face, and I said, how'd that go for you? And he says, well, he's quite the communicator. And I said, yeah? You hear an F-bomb or two out there? And he goes, F-bomb or two? That was every word that came out of his mouth. And I said, (laughs) I remember as a 12-year-old kid, my... 10th or 12th lesson with Bob, I was all excited to work on things, and he looked in my bag, and he pulled out my 7-iron, and he said, young man, you have one lesson today. And I said, what's that? He said, clean your and clubs. And he turned around and went to lunch, and of course, me being the nice 12, 13-year-old young man, when my mom came to pick me up, she said, how was your lesson? I said, good. She said, what did Mr. Toski teach you? And I said, he taught me to clean my and clubs. And <laughs> <laughs> at that point, Mr. Toski and my parents had a little talk, but my progress <laughs> kept going nonetheless. But you know, but the, the whole method of communicating, it, it's the main thing that I talk to students. Can you put it in a fashion that you can see the light bulb go off and you don't see them scratching their head where they go? Now that I understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, watching a young man try and get out of a trap maybe a couple months ago during playing. and You know, you don't like to talk to anybody while they're playing. Especially, you know, it's the worst thing you can do is start working on the swing. He's having problems, and you know, his buddies in there show him, "Oh, you got to do this with the blade, not with the blade." I said, mm-hmm. "Can you do me a favor? Take a practice swing and swing hard enough so the sand goes halfway to the hole. Boom. Okay. Now do that right behind the ball. Well, that I understand. Mm. That's that main key. Is communication's a big thing, and I know we've kind of elaborated on it a little bit, but it really, really is a big thing in terms of what's going on in the quality of golf instructor and the ability of the student to improve.
0: So when you talk about your students, there's a level between me and you because you're teaching the guy who's going to be teaching me and hopefully our listeners. Uh, listener, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm a firm advocate of there's only one person listening at a time. There's not a group of people sitting around, so I'm talking to one person.
1: You know, you know in, in when I was uh, doing the golf show down here and you and I talked about some of the radio I've done uh, the gentleman who was the owner of the station said, Now, remember, there are only two people listening, and they both have IQs of houseplants, and one is a houseplant. <laughs> <And> I <laughs> said, Well, now that you've described most of the people that uh, I relate to anyway. <laughs> well,
0: that's that's on the radio, but not on podcasts. People, on podcast, you podcasts podcasts be are different. Savvy. You've got to be smart because you're choosing to listen to this program. So, that person right there who's got their headphones on. We're talking to you. Now, I want to know, so because there's one uh, person in between what you do and what I do, okay, what should I be looking for in an instructor?
1: Man, oh, man. That, you know, that, that is a good question, and I'll tell you, if I were the student, I would want to go up and I would want to know three things for sure. One is, is I would want to have a good, you know, for lack of a better way, a good inner feeling about, yeah, I can relate to this guy. Um, when i When I uh, stopped taking lessons from Mr. Toski at about age twelve thirteen, I was about five foot six or five foot seven, and when I got into college, I turned into six four and Some of these thoughts and feelings didn 't make sense and I had the pleasure of going down and working with a couple of taller instructors, uh, even when David Ledbetter went over towards Lake Nona in the very beginning. so one thing it 's not always possible. But I would look for kind of a feeling that you you might look at a guy and go, God, that guy's built just like me. He probably knows how the swing should feel for me. Getting that inner feeling uh, when you're out there, maybe a rapport or two. The second thing is when you put yourself out there, ask the instructor questions. Say, you know, what, what do you think about this? Here are my goals. Lay your goals out and see if the instructor can come up with a plan. I spent most of the morning on the tee today and, You know, it's not wrong, but the gentleman I work with said, I hate to tell you this, but I really, you know, I knew you were out of town, and I snuck in and got a lesson last week from a guy, and he was real nice and real conscientious, and he wanted me to start everything over from the beginning. I had to learn how to stand, and I had to learn how to hold the club, and I said, Jim, you, you do a lot of stuff right already. Why would you learn it again? So pose those questions to your instructor and say, here's where I am, here's what I've got going, where do you think I can go, and what would you do, or how long would it take for me to get there? And the other third thing is I would want to make sure that the instructor can help you in all areas of your game. Uh, someone way smarter than me, and I, I hope that the people listening, uh, Fred, will, will remember some of the things that, that I've been the privilege of, or have had the privilege of hearing. My good friend Mark Steinbauer out the woodlands in Texas was taught by uh, Harvey Penick, and Mark has a very astute observation. He says, you know, it seems to me that golf is one of the few sports where the coach never attends the game. Mm. And if you really think about it, if you can find an instructor who is is enveloped in a way to help you score better. Now, that doesn't mean you have to have a playing lesson, but somehow what he's doing has to translate from, wow, your swing's great, to, hey, this is what's going to happen when you're out on the golf course, you should expect some shots that look like this. You might notice you're hitting the ball further. Don't panic right away. Wait till you've hit over 15 greens in two days before you start backing off clubs. But make sure that your instructor has some concept of the game. And, that's, and, and, and that still is one of my all-time favorite sayings, and it really is true about golf. It's one of those sports that the coach rarely attends the game.
0: That's really interesting. What a
1: All
0: great, right, per- what a great perspective on that, though.
1: Oh, he's, uh, Mark has some other great perspectives, too, but some of those aren't for uh, <laughs> airplay, so to speak, but uh, very interesting, and, and here's a guy that'll show up every once in a while, and when Harvey Pienick was still alive, uh, Mark had the wherewithal to uh, use one of those little dictation voice recorders, and, and just to hear Harvey speak about the swing was just, just incredible.
0: Wow. You must have some great opportunities like that. Tell me, what, what is the President's Council for the Growth of the Game? What does that mean to growing the game?
1: You know what? That is a great question, and the the growth of the. You know what's really funny is there's an outside perception. My God, you know John Daly, Tiger Woods, golf is just expanding left and right. And you know what is it, it is expanding left and right. The problem is our attrition rate right now is matching our expansion rate.
0: Mm, why?
1: And, and you know what? That's one of the big keys. And there's every year they have the uh, uh, let's see, 2020 Council on Golf or Vision 2020. National Golf Foundation has meetings at PGA. There's a couple of things that are accounting for that. Uh, generally, one of the largest demographics entering the game is females. They want to learn how to play. There's more females in business. They want to learn just for business sake. But we get them in the door, but somehow we're unable to kind of keep their attention or have these programs passed while we introduced you to golf. You, you go to a ski slope, and you can kind of go, hmm, this year I'll learn to do pizza slice and french fries. Next year, well, maybe I'll go a little faster downhill, and someday I'll say goodbye to my knees and learn how to mogul. But it's very structured, and it kind of keeps you in there. Um, I'm not going to say we're not doing our job as instructors. I think in the last four or five years, uh, through things like the President's Council for the Growth of the Game, we've become aware and through the network of PGA professionals, hey, here's how I've been able to get more people from introduction to becoming a weekend player or a monthly player so those kind of programs are, are very important for keeping people in the game and on the other side of that coin there's a lot more golf courses now and we can use those players to fill those golf courses because some of those golf courses aren't getting filled and they're closing and that's not a good thing for the game either but our goal is to get people in and realize that golf is a is a very fun game The 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 caveat and the one downside of it Fred, and I would ask you is, is and, and I'm, I'm a big person for it, it is a time-consuming enterprise. And if there's a way that we could figure out how to get around this golf course in under I don't know how many hours, um, it might, might help keep people in the game. Mm-hmm. And And by that, you know, I mean, just look at your average person. Look at your 40-year-old guy who's going to go, You know, he's going to go play golf on uh, Saturday, and, uh, you know, maybe he's going to try and get the 8 o'clock tee time. Eh, you know what happens. By the time he finishes, it's 1 o'clock, and, of course, with the four guys, you're not going to get out there and, uh, you know, say, "Huh, nice going, guys. They're going to go in and have the chicken wings and the beer and tally up the bets and do all those kind of fun things. And, you know, by the time he gets home, it's 2.30, and he's left the house at 7, and he looks at his wife and says...
0: And he's know, in trouble.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and he's going to take Tommy to football and Jennifer right. to ballet, and he looks at his wife and says, you know, the boys and I were thinking about playing again tomorrow. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. So time is a big factor on it.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting because when you were talking about that, the things that I wrote down was, it's too takes too long, it costs too much, and it's too hard.
1: And, you know, as instructors, we're supposed to help in the too-hard part, and that's also supposed to help on the too-long part. Right. I had the chance to talk to Reese Jones not too long ago, and God almighty, he's funny. He says, it seems to me golfers are hitting the ball longer. I'm just not sure they're hitting it any straighter.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, one of the articles I was reading that you wrote uh, talking about how the pros don't hit greens as often as we think they do. So let's talk about... Uh, playing a round of golf, about walking onto a course that you've never played before. What uh, what kind of strategic approach should you take to a new golf course?
1: I think there's a lot of things you can do. If you have the opportunity, see the course before you play it and walk it backwards because most courses are built from the green backwards. Mm -hmm. Most courses are designed from the green backwards. Here's where this hole is going to be. It's going to lay out. The green will be here. Where do you want to be to hit the good approach shot? Uh if you don't have that particular avenue or that particular option, you know, I mean, there there is a strategy, and there's a... uh, I kind of call them, uh, you know, when the runway runs out. Um, I think when you go play that course for the first time, you don't take any shortcuts, and you hit enough, and you hit enough club so that you're not running out of runway. And I know that sounds kind of dumb, but off the tee a lot of times, you know, start using division. I mean, look at your yardage. If the hole's 400 yards and you can hit a... 5-wood, 225, and it's a dog leg. then, then just put it out there. Mm-hmm. Try and play intelligently. I mean, very, very simply, don't run out of room. Hit to the widest areas. And, you know, if, if you don't believe it, go to your home golf course one day on a Monday when they're working on the golf course and they don't have any of the flag sticks in. And just hit to the green. And you'd be surprised how many birdies you can pull out or how many pars you can pull out or how many greens you hit. Don't get suckered in by that little thing with the flag on the top of it. Hit to a zone. And uh, I I know Jim Hardy, who's uh, worked with Peter Jacobson, they talk about hitting to zones. They don't necessarily talk about hitting to the flag or hitting to a certain area. Look, here's an area between 220 and 245. You could probably pick a couple of clubs to hit it there, and either one will leave you a choice in where you can hit to another zone on the green. That'll give you the best chance of, not short siding yourself, not coming up short in the bunker, or not leaving yourself an impossible putt. And it's it's kind of a way to look at golf, uh, when you get out there and go, you know, this is a you know, you're looking for those green areas everywhere. Well if I go over here the hole could play easier, but ooh, one minute error and things could go awry. And you know, that's the thing I, I think most golfers are looking to avoid is that big number.
0: Mhm. Yeah. it's So it is kind of like a chess match, huh? You want to play two shots ahead
1: it, it, in it, your head. Yes. In retrospect, you really, really do, and you got to get up there near the green in your mind and kind of go, hmm, well, I can see here, maybe I should be approaching from this side, so I have to head over there. Now, what kind of club, what will give me a distance that so I can safely put the ball there? And it's... You, you, There's good and bad. A lot of the older courses out there, you have those options. The way a lot of courses are going, it's like, well, I can hit my driver real hard or just hit it super hard or just hit it hard, you know, as as they keep backing these tees up. But that's the the point is exactly what you say. You've almost got to be thinking a couple of shots ahead and yet still play in the present.
0: Well, then that creates um, uh, the biggest barrier in front of you would have to be your own ego, right?
1: That's a three-letter word that spells failure. (laughs) It really, really is. That ego is a big, big thing. And, you know, at at part you have to tame your ego to go, why am I out here? And if you can accept that you're out there to hit a couple of tremendous shots during the day, to impress yourself, to impress the guys you're playing with, to cut the corner on a couple, to say, you know, I only had a nine iron into 15, the par five, because I cut the corner then that's your purpose for playing golf. Then don't be upset by not scoring good. Mm. Your ego is being fulfilled, and you're doing what you want to do that day. However, if your goal is to play good, then you've got to change your ego a little bit and go, my ego wants a good score, and I'll do whatever's necessary to make the ball get to a position that'll give me the best chance to have a good score. Ego's a big killer, and it? I don't think you have to remove it. I think you have to tame it.
0: Mm. And, and accept it when when you don't do what you want to do you have to be able to accept it right
1: you know uh i i listen to a lot of people outside golf for uh, all kinds of reasons do you ever remember there was a couple of goofy tennis guys luke and murphy jensen they used to wear bowling shirts and black socks
0: and, oh yeah of course
1: and, yeah they were characters now they're announcers and I, one of them made a comment once about he says you know our fans get more upset when we lose than we do but he said what they don't realize is the style of tennis we play we're either going to obliterate somebody or they're going to blow us off the map and it's exactly it's those expectations if you're if you're playing a certain type of ego golf you have to be willing to accept huh, i made a 15 hmm. uh, you know, yeah you have to be able to accept and once you can tame your ego to accept the potential outcomes i think you're in good shape
0: so what should you um Practice before you go out to a course. What should you be working on? What should you be focusing on? If you're going to be playing a, a new course, you're traveling, you're on vacation. Obviously, you're. You know, you could be traveling with friends. You could be traveling by yourself, or you know, just playing by yourself. But what should I be thinking about that day?
1: You, you, before you get out there, you want to look at some of the golf course and 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 have a, a preliminary peek at it. Any preliminary peak for a place that you haven't seen. Now, you know, I'm, I'm speaking to you as though, look, we're not going to Pebble Beach because we've seen every hole at Pebble Beach. <laughs> it's been right. on TV a million times. But if there's a way to get a preview at it or even to spend five minutes looking at the scorecard or just standing on the range, sometimes you can spot six or seven holes and go, oh, there's one over there. There's a lake around that. Okay, I see this. Being very aware before you get out there of certain things, that's important. Getting to that golf course and, and kind of establishing, what am I going to do today? Am I going to have fun? Um, you know, t- To me, if I'm going to play the, that golf course two or three times, you know what, my first time around there, I'm going to have some fun. I'm actually going to kind of play the golf holes the way that most superintendents set them up, six easy, six hard, and six medium. Okay. And, and I'm going to take a couple of holes and go, you know what, I'm going to cut the corner on this. I don't care. Score doesn't matter to me today. And then I'm going to have a couple where I go, you know, I'm going to use my brain on this one. I'm going to hit it here, here, and here and see what happens. And some of the other ones I might even work and say, "Eh, I'm going to try and shape a shot on this one. So that, you know, I'm getting a little game experience. I'm testing my limits a little bit. And yet I'm always able to fall back and go, you know what? I can still play my normal plan A, plan B golf and put it here and put it there. That's if you're going to play a course more than once and and that seems to kind of lend to an enjoyment and hopefully builds to a crescendo that your best day on the golf course is the last day you're there and you can't wait to turn around and come back. If you're only going to play it once. You know, and you and you want to leave with a good feeling then that one you might just only take a little bit of your ego out of your bag.
0: Well stated. You know, I know that right here on my sheet of notes, uh, things I want to talk to you about, I've barely touched it, and I hope that I can invite you to come back on Golf Smarter again, because this is going to be a lot of fun working together, hopefully multiple times, at least on the phone and hopefully in person, too. I really hope you come back and, and talk to us again, because you have a lot of great stories at, at the very least.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, I, I'm I'm. a huge believer of uh, what you're doing in the podcast thing, and I definitely uh, am looking forward to coming back on, and I'd, I'd be happy to talk. And you're more than welcome to put the, uh, pardon the interruption, 60-second whistle on me next time and go, now it's my turn. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so this is episode number 572, which may not mean a lot to you, and it shouldn't, but for me it calculates out to exactly 11 years of weekly Golf Smarter podcasts. I started this thing this time of year in 2005. So thank you so much for your continued support over these years, especially if you hang around during the off season as well. I'm quite flattered that you do. There's a lot to be grateful for. So I'd like to take this moment to wish you and your loved ones a happy, healthy, and safe new year. And here's my wish for you, and all the golfers in our lives. A toast to straighter drives and shorter putts in 2017. And if I'm able to continue providing weekly content as well, we'll reach episode number 600, hopefully sometime in July. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please click on the Hey Fred button on the free Golf Smarter app for iOS or Android or at GolfSmarter.com. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. And remember, Golf Smarter listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash golfsmarter. Please visit indeed.com slash golfsmarter right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed here. That's indeed.com slash golfsmarter. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.